You guys be all right if Tommy comes up and leads us in a couple more songs after a message? We can get a little more excited about that. Well, I was just thinking about during that last song about a scripture I wasn't planning to talk about, and it's a verse that might be familiar to many of you. It's, it's one of my life verses. It's in Matthew chapter 11, 28 and 29. It says, come to me, just Jesus talking, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come and learn to do life with me, and he'll carry his, our burdens as the promise. And we don't have to carry them alone. We were never meant to. And so we hope that you can rest in that tonight, that you can experience letting go, letting down, trusting that there is this God that loves you, that we're singing about. And maybe this singing worship songs for you is a new idea. And so if that's you, I'm, I'm just glad you're here. And I hope that the truths of these songs and the truth of this message might just sink in a little bit deeper into your heart and that you might find yourself wanting to respond and saying, yes, I believe that's for me too. And so when we talk about this, this topic that we're digging into tonight, we're, we're looking at this greater battle that God calls us into, this topic, this idea of spiritual warfare. And we can go pretty deep into this. Tonight, I am going to go maybe a little bit deeper than some of you have gone before on this topic. Maybe it's brand new. So for you, it's like, oh, man, whatever we talk about is, is deeper than what I've been. And we're going to dig in what the Bible says about this. I'm going to throw a lot of scripture at you tonight. And if I open a can for you that has a lot of questions that comes out of it or some things that comes out that are, are heavy, I want to encourage you to deal with that in community with us and that we're journeying through this, this process, this journey on Thursday nights where we're really looking into this on a deeper level as a community and would love to invite you to come to late night. But I wanted to start by asking you a question. Do you like being lied to? Anybody raise your hand? You like, you like being lied to? Like you love it when someone lies to you. I'm going to say no, right? I'm not, I'm going to be a little bit honest and vulnerable that I can be a sucker for a good lie, especially one that sounds really good. Anybody else? Anybody else ever been on like a vacation where they try to sell you a timeshare? Anybody? Anybody been on with your family? Like I'm like, a, I, I go like bargain shopping for vacations because, you know, my wife's a teacher. I'm a pastor. We don't make a ton of money. So we got to, you know, be, we got to be frugal about these things. So like, you know, I'll go on Groupon and try to find like the best deal uh, for a vacation and stuff like that. And I always find myself in situations where people want to pitch me a timeshare. And if you've never been to one of these before, like they make it sound so good. And like my wife has learned this about me that I just get really excited about it. And then I try to sell her on like all the benefits of it. And so like we have a mutual agreement going into this is like, it's going to be no. And she's going to have to like talk me off the ledge that it's going to be no. But we like went back to our college town one time to Williamsburg where we met and fell in love and like, you know, had our first baby. You know, it's it's a beautiful place. And we went through this timeshare, got a great deal on the timeshare. And then like we go in for the pitch. And Daniel's like, come on, we just got to go. Like, just tell him no. I'm like, but it's such a good, like, it sounds so good. And like, they take you to the, if you've never been on this, I'm giving you like what to be ready for. So they take you to the first guy and the first guy gives you a good pitch and he makes it sound amazing. And like, you can trade these things in and go all over the world, wherever you want. Like, it's going to be so affordable to go on these amazing vacations. And there's like the, the first price and you say no to that first price. And then the next guy comes out. And he's got a better deal for you, okay? And then, like, they bring you to the manager. And he's got an even better deal for you. And by this time, I'm like, man, this sounds amazing. Like, they're basically 
paying me to do this thing? And then we say no. And this is like way longer of an experience than my wife wanted me to have. But I'm like, I'm just enjoying it. And then we go to the basement. And in the basement, they give me an even, like, they ask you the question, like, well, why aren't you going to do it? Well, what if I could give you for this? And they slide the deal across the table. And it's like, oh, my gosh, honey, we should really consider this. And she's like, no, we already agreed on this. And I got I to gotta tell you, I'm a sucker for those kind of deals. And I don't like being lied to. And that's why we've agreed. We're not doing it. Because like some people, they do go in for the timeshare. It works for their family. They figure out how to work the system. Good for you. But the reality is, most of the things you buy them, there's all kinds of hidden fees. They're harder to use than you imagine. Um, there's blackout dates. Fees go up. Like It's just, it's a mess. People that buy timeshares often try to get out of them. And then it's really hard to. And I bring that up because... I wonder if some of you have had a similar experience with Christianity, that you've bought into this vision of Christianity that you've heard about. It's, a, it's this, God has a wonderful plan for my life. And then you get into life, and it doesn't feel so wonderful. And you start running into things that you didn't like think were going to happen, and it felt like there's hidden fees attached. And you're wondering, like, did I believe a lie? Like, should I have said no to this deal? And I think there's this massive movement within uh, our culture right now to like deconstruct the truth of the Bible and to say, is it, can we really trust it? And so if that's you, if you're going through that right now, one, I want to say I have empathy for you. You're not alone. It's really healthy to ask tough questions and go back to the Bible to see what the Bible actually says. And most people I know that have developed a strong faith, a rooted faith, a faith that they want to pass on to other people that brings hope and love and the power of Jesus in the world has gone through some battles, has gone through some struggles, has gone through some disillusionment and disappointment and even some deconstruction at times to come to a more solid foundation. And that's been me. I've had to go through profound periods of questioning, did I make this up? Is this even real? How do I know I can trust this book, this Bible, and this relationship with Jesus that I can't see. And so if that is you, you're going through that time of questioning and doubting. I want to encourage you to do that in community with other people that have wrestled with those things before you, because the truth is there's probably other people that have wrestled with the same questions you're wrestling with, and they probably have wisdom, and they probably would love to walk alongside of you and and help you deal with those questions in a way that, that leads you to a stronger foundation. I think we need to get really passionate about deconstructing the lies of the enemy that is are being thrown at us by our culture and what we'll talk about tonight from the spiritual enemy that we face so that we can reconstruct our life on the truth of Jesus, which I believe in this word is, is the one foundation that will last for all eternity. And that's what God invites us to build our, our life on. Because when you look at what Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible said, he promised a wonderful life for us. But he did not promise that it would be absent of pain or struggle or battle. You guys are probably familiar with this verse, many of you. It's one of our memory verses for the month on our Instagram account. If you follow us, it's John 10.10, and it says this. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. The thief is the enemy, Satan. But I have come to give you life and life to the full. Jesus promises that we'll have this abundant life flowing from inside of us, this eternal life that comes from the inside based on our relationship with him. When we accept him as our Savior and our Lord and we welcome his Holy Spirit, he brings a fullness of life that brings meaning and purpose to us that no one can take away from us, but it's not without a battle. Did you catch that? 
We're going to face opposition. And the New Testament does not shy away from this reality that our soul's at war. I just want to throw some scripture at you right now. I, as I was studying this, I could throw a lot. There's actually over 50 references to battle in the New Testament. And every writer in the New Testament has very clear instructions about the battles that we're going to face and how to fight them and to stand strong against them with resources that God provides for us. And so if we're going to learn to fight our battles in life, God wants us to learn how to fight them with the resources he provides so we're not fighting them on our own and and getting beaten up and, and destroyed by the battles that we face in our lives. And so here are just a few of the verses I want to go to. Can you put some of those on the screen? This starts in James. This is how the letter to James basically opens up. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say God's tempting me. God is never tempting anyone to do wrong. And he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. And then at the end of the letter, he says this. He says, submit yourself to God. Then resist the devil, and he will flee from you. We don't have to be afraid of this topic of spiritual warfare. That in Jesus, we have power over the attacks of the enemy. But we need to learn how to fight through submitting ourselves to God. And then in 1 Peter, he starts this way. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. And then towards the end of the letter, he says this. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. In the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Isn't that cool? That in this battle of life, we have a place to go with our hurt and our concerns, our anxieties, our pain. To this God who created the world and loves us enough to send Jesus to show us what he's really like. And now that he's risen from the dead and sits at the throne of heaven, he says, hey, come, bring your cares to me, bring your concerns to me, bring your burdens to me. You don't have to carry them alone. But stay alert, because in this life, it's a battleground. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kinds of suffering you are. I have a friend joining us from Haiti this week. He's the pastor of our Agape Church in Port-au-Prince, Haiti. If you know anything about Haiti right now, you know there's, there's real suffering. It's essentially like hell on earth down there. I mean, the gangs have taken over. Today, we got a prayer request from our church that uh, two weeks ago, they celebrated their ninth anniversary as a church. They had 3,500 people there. It's amazing. And this week, there, there was so much strife and gang warfare that only 650 people could show up because people are afraid for their lives. There's real, like, threat of death. We need to be praying for our brothers and sisters around the world that are actually experiencing threat to their life. And we need to remember that the context of the New Testament was not written in a coffee shop in Apex at Mission Market drinking a latte like I like to do. It was written in the context of actual danger for people's bodies and souls. And he's trying to get us to be ready to face the battles, the opposition that we're going to experience in our lives. The New Testament is written in the context of spiritual and actual warfare. So go to 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5. We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. 
We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. And really that should be more, we capture our rebellious thoughts. That this battle that we're going to look at, Jesus gives us a model for how to fight it in Matthew chapter 4 that we're going to dig into in a little bit. But it's really the battle's internal. The battle is against the lies and the temptations that we experience on the inside. And that's what he's getting at with this idea of a stronghold that can develop between us and God. When we don't begin to take our thoughts captive and deal with the feelings that want to lead us away from God, we can develop like this wall between us and God. Kate's a barrier between us and him. And that's what Jesus died to bring down. So that now we can have direct access to God's throne. To take our thoughts captive to find peace and life and joy in the midst of the battle. So we're going to dig into that in a little bit. But then in Ephesians, there's this long passage. You might have, if you, if you grew up around church, you probably heard it. Uh, it's the armor of God. And, and you, we could actually do a whole message on like every piece of the armor. But it, it's just really clear that God wants to equip us to fight spiritual battles, that we will experience opposition. He says, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. So he assumes that we would know the strategies of the devil. Like if someone asks you, how does the devil attack you? Like personally, would you have a, how would you answer that? Well, the New Testament assumes that we would actually gain clarity on the strategies that Satan uses to attack us, and we'd know how to combat them. And if you are here and you're like, I don't know. Well, I'm glad you're here tonight because God wants to equip us to fight these battles. And his strategies are not complicated. They're really simple to learn how to fight against. It says, therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. And so there's this battle imagery throughout the New Testament that there are forces waging war against our soul that we need to be equipped to learn how to fight against. And it's not weapons like the world. We're not fighting against other people or just our circumstances. We're fighting this internal spiritual battle that Jesus shows us how to fight. But you know what? Before we go to Jesus' example, I I, I wanted to say, I don't think I have to convince you guys that you're in a battle. I think maybe for some of you, you might have grown up with more of like a Barney view of Christianity. You know, like, I love you. You love me. We're a happy family. And like, anytime like there's something suffering or battle, you'll be like, what's going on, God? Like, well, I thought there was this promise that you had this wonderful life for me. But I think most of you guys know, like, life is hard. And as I've talked to many of you, you guys experience, like in this room, if I did like a show of hands of like the battles you've, you've faced in the last year, like how many, I won't make you raise your hands in this, but like how many of you have faced battles with like destructive, self-sabotaging thoughts? Or you've had financial battles that you've wondered how you're going to get out of, or you found yourself in a cycle of relational breakdown from your dysfunction with your family of origin that now affects the relationships you're in with friendships, dating relationships, and you're like, man, this always just feels like a battle. I'm getting beaten up. Or maybe you've experienced some trauma. I know a lot of you guys have experienced some like profound evil in this world. And so I don't think I have to convince you that like this life is a battleground. But what I want to encourage you with is that you don't have to fight those battles alone. That there's a God fighting for you. 
and with you and wants to equip you with the resources of heaven to stand against and stand with you in the battle that you're fighting. And that's what the New Testament invites us to believe. That God isn't just out there somewhere like this distant Santa figure that he came up close and personal in Jesus. And when he died on the cross and rose from the dead, now he's offering us his very spirit, his very presence, his essence to live inside of us, to resource us in the midst of the battles that we're in. And so tonight I want to unpack a little bit of, of how he wants to equip us to do that by just breaking down the simple strategies that Satan wants to use to destroy our life. Because that's what Jesus said, that the thief came to rob, steal, and destroy our lives. But I have come to give you life and life to the full. And so I think a great place to turn is in Matthew chapter 4. And if you have your Bibles, you're welcome to turn there. I'm not going to read the whole passage. Some of you are familiar with this passage, but I'd encourage you to spend some time reading it this week. That was our challenge from Thursday night at late night was to spend some time reflecting on how you have experienced these same temptations that Jesus experienced in the wilderness when he started his his ministry in your own life. And I think this is a great uh, passage to dig into because it's really bringing to light the way Satan attacks each one of us. And Jesus is facing each temptation and showing us the way to overcome these greater battles that we experience in our life. And when I was living in Phoenix, I got a great example of this. Um, I lived in Phoenix for a year. And one of the things about Phoenix, it's a very different environment. And there's, I know one person that's lived in Phoenix on the front row. Uh, but if you've never been to Phoenix, uh, there's a lot of scorpions there. And I'm from the East Coast. Like, we don't have scorpions. Like, scorpions are scary. And, I mean, we have bees, but not scorpions, right? And so when I moved into this new house, our backyard was like a mess. And what I learned is when you have a bunch of trash in your backyard and the people don't take care of it or you don't take care of it, like, it attracts scorpions. And so one of the ways you discover that you have scorpions is you take a black light into your backyard at night. And so I would take a black light out on the wall and anytime a scorpion was there, it would light up because they're bioluminescent in the middle. And so you like during the day, we would be out like at the pool and hanging out in the backyard, unaware that there were like all these like scorpions that could get us around us. But when we turned the light on, it was like, boom, and then we could spray them. And I would take my I would take my daughters with me. And we would take this like hornet spray and we would go scorpion hunting every night. It was so fun. And well, maybe it was more fun for me. And I'd like, you know, make them come with me. But it was an adventure. And I have three daughters and I wanted to teach them not to be scared of the things that they couldn't see out there. We could could do something about it. Um, And that's essentially what Jesus is, is trying to do here is he's trying to bring the lights on to this unseen world of how we're attacked spiritually so that we can be prepared to fight. You don't have to be afraid of Satan. Just follow Jesus' example. So this is how it starts in Matthew chapter 4. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. Okay, I think it's probably been the most belabored point in all sermons that that like, is an understatement of the year. <laughs> like, If anybody has missed a meal, you know you become hungry in America. Like, I, has anybody ever even tried to fast before for like a day? Like, Think about 40 days, and he was hungry, and, and then Satan comes to tempt him. But Jesus goes into the wilderness intentionally, 
And you don't have to go somewhere else to fight the devil. Like, there was a bunch of monks in the 4th century, like, left Rome when it was falling apart to go into the wilderness, like, the actual desert, and, like, go in caves and pray and stuff. Like, good for them. We've got enough of a desert in our own souls that Jesus wants to prepare us to fight. Like, you don't have to go anywhere to fight your spiritual battles. They are internal. Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden, the most beautiful place. And it was without sin, without suffering, the most perfect environment. And they fell to the same temptations that Jesus fell to in the worst circumstances possible. So just changing your circumstances, running away from your problems, isn't going to help you fight your battles. You actually have to learn how to face them spiritually. And that's what Jesus is teaching us how to do, to stand firm against these attacks that we all experience. And so Satan comes and he says, what's the first temptation? He attacks his appetite, the flesh. Tell these stones to become loaves of bread. So it's not that big a deal, right? Jesus is hungry. He has power. So why not just turn these stones into bread? It's, not, it's, it's really one of the grand scheme of things. Why is that even an issue? Well, Jesus knew that's not what the Father had asked him to do. And he found his life being dependent on his Father in heaven and doing his will on earth as it is in heaven. And so he was willing to say no to instant gratification and what felt good in his flesh and what seemed like not that big a deal to do what his father clearly told him to do. And one of the first temptations we experience as human beings is this base level like fleshly appetite, especially when we're weak, when we're hungry. And we, we get tempted to do things that maybe in our right mind we wouldn't do otherwise. I mean, just think about it. Have you ever done anything dumb when you're hungry? Have you ever snapped it like a, a relative when you're hungry? Have you ever, like, I remember when I was in college, I was hungry. I just picked up like a Ben and Jerry's thing, like a whole carton of it. And I ate the whole thing. A friend looked at me. He was like, are you going to eat all that? I was like, yep. It's like, I was like, it's not healthy, but I don't care. Like, <laughs> I'm just hungry. Like, dumb decision. Not that big a deal, but when you think about it, we can do some really dumb stuff when we're, our flesh is weak. And as human beings, the closer we think that we are to not committing a certain sin is the closer we are to committing that sin. None of us are beyond doing anything, depending on the circumstances in our life. We all have this desire in the flesh that battles against us. If we're not aware of it, we can fall prey to it. And Jesus is showing us the way to stand up against that temptation. I had a mentor one time that said, never make a, a, a stupid decision when you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. He said, halt. Like when you we feel attacked in your flesh, when you feel tempted to do something that you know probably isn't healthy for you or godly for you, it's good to pause and pray to halt, especially when you're one of those things. I mean, think about like when you're lonely, when you're bored, when you're tired. How many people in here would say, yeah, that's if, if I've looked at pornography, that's when that's happened. I mean, when we're, we're like weak in our flesh, that's when the enemy attacks us. And it might not seem like that big a deal. But when we give in to those temptations over and over again, or when we're, we're lonely and we're tired and we're like, you know what? I'm going to buy more stuff on Amazon. Even though I don't have really the money set aside to buy that, I'm just going to start buying stuff. And we spend money that we don't have. And there's this instant gratification, this consumerism of our culture that wants to take over our flesh and lead us away from God's purposes for our life, from the clear things that he's called us to obey. 
And so we have this battle inside of us. I was talking to a small group leader this past week, and it was a great conversation. And he was talking about how the, his men's small group started really digging into this issue of pornography that a lot of guys in our culture deal with. And they started not only like creating a place to admit it was a problem for some of the guys, but then digging it like what's behind it. Not just like the behavior, but like the heart issue behind it. It, it goes beyond like just a, a fleshly, like, oh, that, 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 that feels good or that looks good, to like a heart issue. And when you allow your heart to be trained by looking at people as objects, then you're trained to not love and take care of people, but to use them for your own gratification. And you can't develop a healthy relationship that way. And so confessing sins to one another is a part of what breaks the power of this temptation in the flesh, that we would begin to develop the character in our lives of saying no to what feels good in the moment and yes to what God wants for us, because he has what's best for us. And when we say yes to God, we start developing this pattern of integrity and trust and love and purity that we can be trusted to develop intimacy in a relationship with another human being, but it starts in our heart. And I've talked to so many guys over the years that they, they think that once they get married, that problem would go away. But actually, when you live in a fantasy world, it never goes away until you deal with it. And so if that's you here tonight, I'm not bringing that up to shame you, but to let you know that's a temptation, that's a battle that Jesus is showing us the way to find freedom from. And all we see in Jesus is a very simple trust and obedience to God's command. Man does not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. He knew the secret that Paul talks about later in Romans. Go back to that verse. This will actually be our memory verse for this week. Those who live according to flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. And that's what God wants for us, is for our mind to be filled with life and peace. And to do that, we have to learn how to say no to the flesh and yes to God by just depending on his word and his spirit. And that's what he's, he's showing us here. And there's so many different temptations of the flesh. Guys, hopefully you're not hearing me heap shame on you, but just bringing to light an issue that I think is significant. And there are lots of different issues or besides sexual purity that have to do with the temptation that we experience in the flesh. But the way to combat it is by getting to know the, the love of God in this word so much that you can say no to the flesh and yes to the spirit. That's what Jesus is showing us the way to do. And then he takes it a layer deeper in the next temptation. Here's what Satan comes after him next. He comes after his identity. If you are the son of God, jump off this. He takes him to this high tower. And what he's saying is, if you really are God's son, prove it. Prove it to the world. Do this miracle that everybody can clap and see. And Jesus doesn't fall victim to that. Because he knows who he is, he's secure in his identity as God's son. He doesn't need the approval of the world or other people because he's secure as a beloved son of God. I mean, how many dumb decisions have we made in our lives because we're trying to get somebody else's approval? We're trying to get somebody else to like us. We're trying to get somebody else to think we're good. We're trying to prove ourselves to somebody else. And it's in that striving to show that we're valuable and that we're good enough and that we're worth loving that we often can create distance in our relationship with God and other people because what God says is that we're loved and accepted because of who we are. 
because of Jesus. And he invites us to develop an intimacy with him as his sons and daughters that our hearts live out of a secure identity to be able to love other people freely rather than trying to get something from them. And sometimes our identity is attacked. And in our culture, I think we are tempted to identify ourselves by all kinds of things other than as God's sons and daughters. To define ourselves by our feelings, by our relationships, by where we go to school or what our political ideology is. There's so many different things that we are tempted to define ourselves by that can miss out on the intimacy that God wants to have with us as sons and daughters. And this can happen because in some ways comparing ourselves to these, these images that we need to think, we think we need to be like in the world, but also from wounds that we picked up from our families. There are lies that come at us from the world that some of us have been really wounded by. When we're wounded in our homes, that creates like this thing inside of us that's just, that's hurt. And when we don't have the love and affection from our own families, or maybe we were experience some trauma in our relationship that creates a wound inside of us. We can carry around this guilt and shame inside that we're just not good enough, and that we don't have what it takes. And we wonder, how will we really prove that we are? And I have a friend that really helped me with this in my life. I didn't really realize the extent to which I had some wounds in my life until a number of years ago, I took a class on inner healing from a a guy who's become like a mentor, a spiritual father to me in my life. His name's Joe. I brought a picture to show you. And I'll go back to that quote clear. But this is Joe. This is a picture of us in California. And Joe's actually going to come out here this spring and do some of the same teaching um, and make it available to our community for anybody who's interested in going a little bit deeper in this topic. But Joe really opened us up to this idea that we have these wounds inside that we carry around. That instead of living as God's sons and daughters, we can live so far beneath that. And a part of that is because of the hurt that we've experienced in our life. And a part of healing is becoming honest about these wounds and lies that we carry around inside. So that we can build our life more on the promise of who God says that we are. And that's not just like an intellectual thing. Like it's a process. It's a very relational and spiritual thing that we need to let God and other people to help us with. And it's a journey. Like, I remember going through this for the first time, and and Joe came, and he he taught this class. And I still remember, like, the first night he did this exercise, and he partnered us up, um, and he had us do this exercise where, like, we had to look at each other in the eyes and be each other's father. It sounds, like, kind of weird, but it was was actually very powerful. I'm not going to make you do this tonight. Don't worry. But we had to act like we were each other's father and like we had to look each other in the eye and say, hey, what's one thing that you're grateful for your dad for? And like, I want you to act like he's your dad and tell him. And then I'd like for you to say one thing that you wish you would have gotten from your dad that you didn't. And I want you to tell him that. And I had this guy as my partner who was this 300 pound opera singer from Iceland. And he's one of my favorite people in the world, just big, tough guy. Do you know what he did? He looked me in the eyes and he goes, oh, and he just lost it. And he needed to leave the room. And the reality is in a nice suburban church in Virginia, over 50% of the people in that room can't remember their father physically like embracing them as a kid. And this stuff leaves wounds on us. God created 
moms and dads to show the love of God to their kids. But we live in a broken and fallen world and, and we believe lies about ourselves and that impacts the way we treat each other and that impacts the things that we believe about ourselves. And these wounds we carry around are real and, and God wants to, in a loving and gentle way, bring people alongside of us who can help us learn the truth of who we are, who can help us heal from the inside. And if you can go back to that quote, this is a quote that I've been learning from an author um, that I really appreciate named Henry Nowen. And this is something God's really been teaching me this year because I like to hide my weakness and act like I, I don't have wounds, but God's been teaching me that he really cares about mine. It says, nobody escapes being wounded. We're all wounded people, whether physically, emotionally, mentally, or spiritually. The main question is not how can we hide our wounds? so we don't have to be embarrassed. But how can we put our wounds in the service of others? When our wounds cease to be a source of shame and become a source of healing, we have become wounded healers. And that's what God wants for us, is to bring healing into our wounds so that we can be a source of hope to others. Our life can become a gift to the world because we realize our pain isn't the end of the story and how God works in and through our pain now actually brings God's love and hope to other people. But that's not a quick fix and it's not a band-aid and it's a very messy process that often takes counseling and letting people in and, and, and walking alongside of you in the broken paces of your life. And some of you here are my heroes because you have become those wounded healers. You have walked that path and you've led God into those places and you have an incredible gift to offer the world and you've impacted my life in incredible ways because you've been vulnerable in sharing your story. And that's the kind of community that we want to be, that Jesus is inviting us to be, to stand against these attacks from the enemy that says, you know what, if you're really the son of God, prove it. He already is. You already are. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you are his son and daughter. And he wants to heal you with that identity so that you can live out of that place that's secure and not searching for anything because you found it in him. We're getting deep tonight. And here's the third temptation. He goes straight at idolatry. He takes them up to this high mountain and says, I'll give you all this, all the kingdoms of the world, if you bow down and worship me. And that's what Satan's ultimate aim is, his strategy all along. He, he, he left the, the throne room of heaven because he wanted the worship. And now he's trying to get Jesus to worship him. And Jesus is like, Satan, like I already have all these kingdoms. Like you can't give them to me. I'm the one who created the world. Don't you remember? And so he didn't bow down to someone that was not worthy of being bowed down to because he knew the true king. And how many of us bow down to things that aren't worth bowing down to? I mean, we face this temptation all the time to bow down to what the world says will really bring us life to the gods of money and power and sex. When Jesus is saying, bow down to the king who created everything, worship me and I'll give you everything that you need. You don't have to worry. And so he just says, get out of here, Satan. And so we have to learn how to fight this temptation against idolatry to, to giving our lives to the, round, the wrong things because the truth is, Jesus says that we can gain the whole world and yet forfeit our soul. And we worship Jesus as our king, the God that created us as our king. He actually has a mission for our life. 
that makes our life an expression of his love to the world. I mean, that's the other twisted thing that Satan tries here in this strategy is he tries to get Jesus to bow down to him to get the kingdom that he already had by not going to the cross, by shortcutting the process, by not being obedient to God and giving his life as an offering to the world. And that's always what Satan is trying to do in this temptation to us is to get us to not go through the hard process that God wants to lead us to become an expression of his love to the world and to bow down to a quick fix, an idol that can never really be God. And what Jesus says is this in Matthew chapter six. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and everything you need will be given to you. Worship God for who he really is. Seek first his kingdom. Surrender your life to him and everything you need will be given to you. We can learn to live in this world without fear. And we can say no to these attacks and temptations from the enemy to bow down to the wrong things. To worship God, when we, come, we might not think about this, when we come together to worship as a church family, worship is a warfare. It's turning our eyes off of ourselves onto the God who loves us and who created us and who died for us and rose again and sits on the throne of heaven to give us what we need to fight our battles so that we worship the true king. We take our eyes off of ourselves. So we're, we're empowered to fight our battles. And that's why it's so encouraging when we come together and we lift up praises to him as we remember we're not alone and that our hearts are expressing praise that they were always meant to give to the God who made us to worship him. God has created us to live in this love relationship with him. And sometimes we just settle for something far less because it feels a little better. And so Jesus is trying to unmask these strategies of Satan, the the attacks against the flesh, to get us to define ourselves by something other than God's son or daughter and live beneath the beloved sons that we are, the sons and daughters that we are, and to bow down to something that's not worth worshiping. And he's saying, you know what? Follow me. Learn to say no to these temptations by just depending on the Spirit and believing in the simple commands of my word. And so that's the challenge for us tonight. If we want to be equipped to fight these battles, we need to be ready to stand firm by just depending on our relationship with Jesus. You don't have to depend on anybody else but him. He wants to equip you to fight your battles as you spend time with him, as you get to know him. The best defense against the attacks of the enemy is to get to know Jesus and the weapons he wants to give you so well that you're ready to use them when the Spirit prompts you. And that's the kind of relationship he wants to have for your life. You know, one of the biggest lies the enemy is throwing at us in our culture today is that you are enough on your own. The Bible says the opposite. We're not enough on our own. We actually need God and we need each other. My good friend Angie Rizzo said, you're not an armadillo in a podcast I did with her recently. Think about that one for a second. You don't have the protection you need in yourself. Like you don't have the shell to come on you. You actually need to put on the armor of God. And so if we're going to fight these battles that we face in our lives, we need to learn how to use the weapons that Jesus gives us. I hope that tonight in this series is like an elf moment for you. You guys know the movie Elf? You know, that's my favorite Christmas movie of all time. (laughs) Like what I want to empower you to do 
is to begin to deconstruct the lies the enemy has taught you about God and yourself with the truth of Jesus. To not settle for the lies that he throws at you because you know what smells like beef and cheese. Like you know this movie. You can say, Satan, get out of here because you know the true Jesus of the Bible so well. And that is a process that we need to commit to learning. That's why the Bible says that we're called to go into training as followers of Jesus. It's not automatic. By disciplining ourselves to spend time in his word and spend time with him, it's not something we have to do. It's we get to spend time with this God who loves us and wants to equip us to fight with the resources of heaven. And at the end of our Live No Lie series, we're going to kind of spend some time unpacking this armor of God idea from Ephesians 6. And any other questions you have, I got this off Pinterest. Like you, many kids have seen this before in like Sunday school, but like we could go through every piece and break it down because like they are significant, but I want to make it really simple for you. Like basically what the armor of God is, is the gospel applied to your whole life. You have everything you need to fight the attacks of the enemy with the gospel of Jesus Christ and his spirit being with you and his community surrounding you. Like, just think about like the the belt of his truth is like actually holding you together. That's what the gospel does. Like this, this armor on your chest, it protects your heart with the truth of how loved you are. The, the, the helmet of salvation, like guards your mind against the lies of the enemy, the, the shoes of the armor, like the gospel of peace sends you with God's leadership to live in peace and to spread his hope to other people around you. Like he's equipping you with these resources, which is the gospel sinking deeper and deeper inside of you. So you're prepared to fight the battles of your life through his power rather than your own. It's not that complicated. Satan's schemes aren't that complicated. We're just really weak and we forget to ask for help. And we forget how good the gospel really is. And so to stand firm, we need to let the gospel sink deeper and deeper into us so that we're ready to fight when the day of evil comes. And so that's the first thing. We need to learn how to use the weapons that, that God gives us. And then the second thing is we, we, don't, we don't fight alone. Like that's why a part of why we're here is, is to, to fight together. To, to join together in community where we can fight against these lies that we believe and encourage each other to build our life on the truth. We need community. We're never meant to do it alone. I have a good friend that I've made recently who started coming to my men's small group, and he comes from a past that has, honestly, a lot of brokenness. He, he's, he gave into the flesh and lived that life. He bowed down to all those idols for years and years, and now he's come back to Jesus in his early 30s, and he's trying to, to, to follow him. And he's, he actually said to me recently, I feel like I'm just sabotaging myself. Like I'll make two steps forward and then I go five steps back. Anybody ever felt like that? I mean, it's often what it feels. It's a battle. I'm like, you know what? That means you're on the right track. Because if you didn't feel that battle, you wouldn't actually be moving with Jesus. But because you feel the battle and you feel grieved about going backwards, that's a sign that his spirit is working in your life and he's not done with you. When we fail, when we mess up, when we blow it, that's when we need to come back to him and say, Lord, I need you. What you did for me on the cross, I believe that was for me. And and would you heal that guilt and shame inside that I'm carrying around so I don't stop beating myself up and can be free to take my next step? Because when we keep our eyes on Jesus, 
He, he leads us forward in the fight. And we learn that in community together. And so he actually said to me, he's like, what do I like need to do to start like winning? Because I feel like I'm always getting beaten up. And like maybe something's wrong with my brain because I've used so many drugs. Like I just love how honest and refreshingly honest this guy is. I'm like, well, if you want to study it neurologically, like actually you have neurological pathways that have been built to go towards wanting to do drugs instead of going towards God. That's not helpful, right? Like, but it's neurologically true. And I said, you have to build new pathways. And that's going to feel hard at times. It's going to feel like a battle. And what, what you need to do is actually start spending time with him to get to know what he says about you for himself. And he goes, I, I'm trying to do that. But what I feel like I need is to spend more time with you. And I said, I so appreciate your vulnerability. What if for the next 21 days we talked every day? And we just shared some things God was doing in our life where we shared the struggle and we prayed for each other. And then we see where we are in 21 days and how much progress we've made. And man, it's been so cool to watch these little steps we're making together. And it's helping me grow and meet my vulnerability to him. We're not meant to do it alone. When I was in Phoenix, I was actually facing some actual demons out there that I was learning to fight internally and I needed some help and I have a friend that came out to visit me a couple times I brought a picture to show you maybe you've met him before um his name's Thomas and we've been friends for a long time he's here tonight and he's somebody I've always been able to be completely honest with about the things that are going on inside of me and who ask me tough questions and who who fight my battles with me I'm so grateful for him and and this is a picture of this mountain up behind where I lived where I would go to just pray because there, there's this really cool cross that overlooked the city, and it would help me just have perspective on some of the issues I was facing in my marriage and, and decisions I was making in my life. And I just wanted to surrender my decisions and my heart before God. And just looking out over the city at this cross, it just was a, such a cool perspective. And that's the last thing I want to encourage you tonight, is if you want to learn to fight your spiritual battles, that victory comes through surrender. There's, there's no easy way around it. We can't hang on to our way and actually experience victory in the battle. We actually have to say, Lord, I need you. I surrender myself to you. I, I lay myself before your throne because I need you, and I want your perspective on my problems and my issues. I need your power and my weakness to help me. I don't have what it takes. I wave the light flag. I give up. And that's the place I want to invite you to tonight with whatever battle you're experiencing. In a minute, Tommy's going to come back up and he's going to lead us in a couple more songs in worship. But I want to encourage you that fighting the battles in your life, you were never meant to, to fight them alone. That victory actually starts with surrendering and saying, God, I need your help. Because here's the coolest thing. When you, we think about that battle imagery, that armor that God invites us to put on every day, do you know the one place in the armor that, that isn't protected? It's, it's our back. It's walking away from the fight. And I remember years ago, I was coming out of a really difficult situation where I actually did need to leave because it was very unhealthy. And I was in a prayer time with some friends, and they were just asking the Lord, Lord, what do you, is there anything you want Corey to know? Because I was telling them I was struggling 
with some trust issues in my life by going into this new community based on some wounds I'd experienced from my past that I'd been fighting against for years. And they got this picture of all these arrows being in my back and me being like hunched over. And during that prayer time, they just started like spiritually pulling the arrows out and they just put their hand on my shoulder and they said, Corey, God wants you to know you're not alone, that he sees the battles you've been fighting and that he cares about your wounds and he wants to heal the places that have been hurt in your life. And, and those arrows that the enemy has thrown in, into your back are pulled out in Jesus' name. And maybe you're here tonight and you feel like you're full of arrows. You're feeling beaten up and bloodied, broken down. Like you're just filled with attacks, maybe even from failures or, or shameful things that you feel like you're carrying around inside. And you just need to, to open up and, and come back to the Lord and say, here I am. I surrender. I want to receive this love that you have for me. I want to begin this process of you you taking these arrows out of me and, and healing me and, and putting me on a solid foundation as your son or his daughter. And that's what God wants for you tonight. And so during this next time of worship, I just want to invite you to, to do what you need to with God, to use this time and space to lift up praises to him, to, to bring yourself before the throne of God, and to receive what you need from him tonight because he's here to meet you. And then after these songs, we're actually going to have a time just to take some communion and to reflect on what you need from God because I'll lead us in that. It's, it's one of the most incredible gifts just to remember what Jesus has done for us. And there'll be some people here to pray for you um, if you'd like, like that. So with that, let me pray and then Tommy's going to lead us in a couple more songs. Father, I thank you that you haven't left us alone in the battle, that you've come from heaven to fight for us, and you've shown us how much you love us, Jesus, by giving your life on the cross. You, you rose from the dead, and you came back with wounds. And to those who had doubts and questions like Thomas, you said, hey, come here. Put your finger in my side. I'm not scared of your doubts. I'm not scared of your fear. I'm not scared of your questions. Come to me and find that I'm worth believing in because I love you more than anything in this world. And so tonight, God, we want to bring our hearts before your throne and surrender to say, here we are. We need you. We thank you for this incredible gift of being invited into the throne of heaven to find mercy and grace in our time of need. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.